It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday to you all. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of Locked On Cougars. We're going to look back at BYU football history, talk about 1969 for the BYU football program. The Black 14 dominated the headlines during the season, but actually has a really cool story that comes full circle 51 years later. We'll explain. We'll also continue on looking at BYU football media day, looking back at it, I suppose, as we catch up with BYU wide receiver Neil Poutwu for a one-on-one exclusive conversation. Conversation, and we will also talk some BYU football recruiting. Three new offensive line recruits over the weekend. They have committed to play for BYU. We'll talk about them and what they should offer to the BYU football program ahead on today's show as well. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by our good friends at Rock Auto. They are the title sponsor of today's show. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. All right, without further Further ado, let's dive in on a Monday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 21st, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to join us on your daily podcast, your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars right here with the Locked On Cougars podcast. Hope you guys' week is off to a great start whenever you might be hearing this. But a reminder for you guys real quick to make sure you hit that follow button wherever you might be listening in from, and that way you never miss an episode as the podcast just uh, podcast updates just automatically in your podcast provider of choice. It makes it real simple for you guys. Make sure you do that, and like I said, make sure you join us every day as we talk about the Cougs. Getting going here on a Monday, let's talk a little BYU football recruiting. The offensive line for BYU kind in the focus as we talk today. That is because three new commitments in that position group for BYU. Daryl Funk doing a lot of work over the past couple of weeks to shore up BYU's offensive line and I got to say, based on what I have seen so far, I think they did just that. And the good news is they have a mixture of junior college talent as well as a preferred walk-on from the high school ranks coming to BYU, all of which, all three of them that we're going to talk about here, I think have very high-level potential. Let's start off with Cade Parrish. I think he's the most game-ready of the trio. He comes to BYU off of a two-year stint playing for Snow College. The Badgers made that run to the NJCAA National Championship game where they fell, and I have to say, Cade Parrish is a very, very good football player. By all accounts, he'll come to BYU initially as a walk-on, but a kid from Logan High School went on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ, comes home, uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I should say, comes home after those two years serving a mission, spends two years becoming a junior college All-American down there at Snow. I think he'll come in right away and compete for playing time, especially on the right side of BYU's offensive line. Whether it's a right guard where there seems to be a little bit of a hole right now or competing with a guy like Harris Lachance at right tackle, I wouldn't count out Cade Parrish from being a two-deep guy this fall for BYU. He had a very, very good two seasons playing for Snow College. He's been well-tutored, well-coached. 
I think he's very much a plug-and-play type of a guy for BYU. And the good news is for him, I believe he will have four years to play three considering junior college this past year didn't count against eligibility. So you're essentially getting a one-year qualifier out of Cade Parrish. And it's a similar circumstance to the other junior college transfer that BYU is getting in Tyler Little. He comes to BYU. We have talked about him previously from Butte College out there in Northern California. The most notable alum from Butte that I'm aware of is Aaron Rodgers. Obviously went on to play at Cal before embarking on what is a Hall of Fame career in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers. And who knows where Aaron Rodgers ends up next. But nonetheless, Tyler Little never played football after eighth grade until suiting up this past season for Butte College. But he has all of the intangibles, all the physical tools you think, okay, this kid can be developed at the Division One level. Six foot seven, probably weighs, I would venture a guess, in the 260 to 270 pound range. Obviously, we'll need to gain weight, but once he gets into the training program at BYU, you can assume that he will do just that. But you can see in his film, there's very much the physical tools for him to come in and develop into a pretty nice player if he accomplishes his potential. He was a basketball kid, hoped to play collegiate basketball, but football appears to be in his path. And according to his mother, she's a diehard BYU fan. So this is a really cool story, him coming all the way from not playing football after eighth grade, was a basketball player throughout his high school years, and now he's going to be playing offensive line for BYU Crazy how things work out in people's lives. So Tyler Little also coming to BYU. And as I mentioned, he's probably a guy who's a developmental project. You probably wouldn't see him contribute, in my opinion, for at least a year. But if he pays off in the end, hey, you found a diamond in the rough. You buffed him, polished him, and made him into a serviceable offensive lineman, a potential starter. That is a low-risk, high-reward addition. I think that's very smart, which brings us to our final uh, of the trio here on this offensive line edition of BYU Recruiting, and that is Cooper McMullen. Comes to BYU from San Marcos High School down there in San Marcos, California. If that high school name sounds familiar, it is the same high school program that has given BYU a number of prospects in recent years. And I think that Cooper McMullen is going to be a good prospect for BYU. He will be a preferred walk-on for the Cougars. Six foot six, 305 pounds. Pretty much has like the physical dimensions you want in a all-caliber offensive lineman. A guy who you just, okay, if you could design an offensive lineman, you'd make him six foot six, six foot seven, somewhere in that range. You'd put 300 pounds on him, and then you'd say, okay, this kid is going to be the guy, and that's what Cooper McMullen is. I think he comes in at a good time. He's similar to Tyler Little, will have to kind of bide his time and prove himself, but if he develops, it's a nice addition for BYU. If he proves he's capable of earning a scholarship, that's even better, because that means he's going to be a guy who's going Going to be in the mix for playing time for BYU. So I'm very high on these three additions for BYU. I think they complete this offensive line room. Uh, they've made it a priority to go out and get some guys in the transfer portal if they could find them, in addition to the junior college ranks. And apparently, junior college was the route they elected to go, in addition to the addition of Cooper McMullen as a walk on from the high school ranks. Like I mentioned, I think this is a very smart play by Daryl Funk, the new offensive line coach for BYU. I think he went through spring ball, kind of saw what he had. He think I think, in his opinion, this is just me speaking for him, and it's probably a bad idea to do this, but I think he sees he's probably got five to six guys who can contribute right now. He's got a nice starting unit, but beyond that, the depth a little bit unproven. So that's where guys like Cade Parrish come in, because they immediately, in your mind and in my mind, 
I think he is a two-deep guy the second he steps on campus at BYU. In addition to Tyler Little as well as Cooper McMullen, well, they just kind of bolster that depth. They become part of that third unit who's probably that developmental group, plays on the scout team, really gets a lot of work in that regard, and refines their craft. And you hope that in 2022 and beyond, they end up becoming part of that two-deep moving forward. It's very much a process you should be very careful with with a, being a coach like uh, Daryl Funk has to do. But I think he's doing this the right way, folks. I really like how he's gone about building this offensive line. I don't think he's trying to change too much. I think he understands this was an offensive line that was very, very good for BYU in 2020. So why screw with something that's working? I think that's the right mentality to have. I think he's had that since he showed up at BYU, and we'll see how it all pays off on the field this fall. But I like all three of these additions. I think they're very much low-risk, potential high-reward additions, especially considering at least Cade Parrish that I am aware of, in addition to Cooper McMullen, are both walk-ons, so they're not costing you a scholarship. And in Tyler Little's case, if it's a scholarship, obviously the physical tools are there, and you're betting on you being able to develop him into a very nice prospect all the same. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll look back in BYU football history, talk about the 1969 season for BYU. It was a season that was marred by a lot of protests, one most notably with the University of Wyoming, but has a very, very heartwarming uh, postscript story that we will talk about. We'll get to all of that in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, guys, no matter what your interest might be. Betting on the U.S. Open this past weekend, the NBA playoffs, uh, MLB ongoing, NHL playoffs, UFC MMA action. No matter what your interest is, you guys can get into the action with our friends at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. It is free to sign up, by the way. First things first, betonline.ag is the address. But while you're there, when you make your first deposit, use the promo code LOCKED ON and get a 50% welcome bonus. You heard that right. 50% of whatever you deposit the first time given to you is free money to bet with. It's all courtesy of Bet Online as they are your online sportsbook experts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Continuing on now with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. And the table turns to 1969, the final year of the 1960s for the BYU football program. And Tommy Hudspeth is coming off his worst season, as we talked about on Friday, a 2-8 and eight season, very much kind of the bottom barrel season that I think Coach Hudspeth probably would rather forget that a seven-game losing streak, but they're trying to bounce back. And bounce back they did. In 1969, the BYU football program put a respectable 6-4 and four record together. There were 4-3 and three in the WAC that tied them for third with Wyoming and that's kind of funny considering we're going to talk a lot about Wyoming and their connection to the 1969 BYU football program here in a moment. The Cougars finished second to Arizona State and Utah. Uh, ASU finished with a 6-1 and one whack record going 8-2 and two on the season. Utah matched them with the 8-2 and two overall record but for some reason only played six conference games finishing 5-1. and one. Then as I mentioned BYU and Wyoming 4-3 and three in the whack. BYU opened up the year in fine fashion beating Colorado State 
State 22-20, then suffered their only losing streak of the season, losing at Iowa State 10-0, and then at Arizona State 23-7. They bounced back the next week, though, and absolutely smoked New Mexico in Provo 41-15, then went to Wyoming, the game that comes in question on October 18th. They were beaten 40-7, but it was a game that saw 14 members of the University of Wyoming Cowboys football program dismissed by head coach Lloyd Eaton due to their wanting to protest BYU and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which at the time barred all African-American men from holding the priesthood or being able to enter the temple. We'll talk more about that here in a moment. BYU, after that loss to Wyoming, reeled off four straight wins, though. They went to UTEP, won 30-7, then beat Arizona in Provo, 31-21, beat San Jose State the following week, 21-3, and then went to Utah State for the first of two rivalries games to close out the season, beating the Aggies 21-3 to bring home the Wagon Wheel Trophy, but then finally finished out the season against Utah in Provo, lost that game 16-6, so two straight losses to Utah now after their three-game winning streak to start off Tommy Hudspeth's uh, tenure as head coach at BYU in fine fashion against the Utes, but now they have suffered back-to-back losses. But let's go back to that Wyoming game because it made national headlines. Like I mentioned, at this time, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was barring black men, African-American American men from holding the priests in addition to being able to enter LDS temples. Now, that was a cause during this era, the 1960s, as many of you probably know in American history, a lot of protests going on. The civil rights movement, very much kind of the, the backbone to the 1960s in my mind, having studied history to a large degree as I have in college. But during this time period, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints also came under scrutiny for their practices. The season in 1968, as we talked about, San Jose State had their black players on their team protest by not playing against BYU that season. There was also a a protest where uh, athletes from UTEP, if I'm not mistaken, about six months before this game against Wyoming took place, they would uh, not participate in a track meet with BYU athletes, caused all kinds of issues. But these players at Wyoming, there was an organized rally that was going to take place to protest the discriminatory practices as they saw them by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints during the week leading up to this game against Wyoming. At the time, folks, Wyoming was absolutely awesome. This was the Wyoming Cowboys teams that were the best they probably have ever been in their football history. When they went to Wyoming, Wyoming was ranked number 16 in the country. Think about that, folks. They were a top 20 program. The previous year, they almost beat LSU, if I'm not mistaken, in the Sugar Bowl. Lloyd Eaton was at the height of his powers. Well, 14 of his players, African-American men, they had decided they were going to participate with their classmates in this protest against BYU. They reached out to Coach Eaton asking if it was okay if they wore black black armbands against BYU when they played that game. Well, according to the record, and if you heard their uh, accounts of the situation, Coach Eaton essentially ignored them, kind of brushed them off, and did not speak to them until the day before the game when he showed up and summarily dismissed all 14 of them from the football program without a word. He really just berated them, said, you guys are out, you're gone, and said some pretty awful things by all accounts to these young men. Well, they sat in the stands the following day as Wyoming laid a beat down despite having six of those 14 be starters for the for the Cowboys. Wyoming be, beat the Cougars 40-7 to nonetheless. Well, in the aftermath of this, the Wyoming legislature, the governor, they all backed Coach Eaton, and he actually defended his actions until the day he died in 2007. I disagree with the way he went about this, obviously. That's just my personal uh, 
injection on that. But this has a very, very cool story. And some of you probably saw this last fall. In 2019, by the way, on the 50-year anniversary of all of this going on, the University of Wyoming actually issued a public apology to the Black 14, as they were called, and apologized for the way they were treated, dismissed from the university. Uh, three, of them, three of them, I believe, actually returned to play for Coach Eaton the next season. One of them saying that he wasn't sure if he left the university, if his credits would transfer, so he went back to play for for this coach and can only imagine how tough that would be but all 14 of them felt spurned for many many years due to what happened in their interactions with the university as well as with coach Eaton but the Church of Jesus Christ and the Black 14 are actually now partners. I know that may sound absolutely crazy to some of you, but it is a true story. Some of you may have seen this uh, last year. The Church Newsroom put it out originally. But BYU and the Black 14 are now partners, actually giving all kinds of food during the Thanksgiving season this past uh, November to many, many food pantries near the homes of where the remaining uh, living members of the Black 14 now live. It's an absolutely incredible story, folks. I, I'd, I can't tell it in its entirety because it's an extremely long story, but I want you guys, I'm going to link this in the show notes to go read this if you haven't done so already. Tad Walsh and Trent Toon from the Deseret News as well as the Church News did a great job with this. Well, a semi-trailer went to all of these different uh, communities, including Laramie, Wyoming. Uh, it was a semi-trailer full of hulking, as they say, shrink wrap pallets arrived Monday in Laramie. It was the first of nine truckloads of food worth hundreds of thousands of dollars that partners will deliver this week to food pantries in eight states across the country, including on, including Denver during this period as well. All the deliveries are another step in healing a wound opened by an act of injustice has been called a tragedy. The day the University of Wyoming's football coach kicked 14 black members off the school's nationally ranked 1969 team on the eve of a game with BYU. Well, as some of you may have read this story, these players, they have talked about how they felt hurt for many, many years, but they didn't necessarily hold a grudge against the church. They just wanted to see things change. And many of you know the story with the LDS church. Spencer W. Kimball in 1978 received the revelation, which opened the doors of the temple as well as the priesthood power to be conferred upon all men regardless of national origin their background their race whatever it might be it was open to all men so this is happening nine years before this in 1969 but this story is absolutely incredible because john griffin of denver one of the members of the black 14 uh, he was in this story talking about how incredible it is that the church is offering this was offering this food up uh, each of these uh, semi-trailers by the way i think hold nearly 50 $50,000 worth of food. Mel Hamilton uh, was a member of starting offensive lineman on this team. He was the one that connected with Gifford Nielsen, who is now Elder S. Gifford Nielsen in the church hierarchy, a member of the Quorum of the Seventy. Well, they connected to get this going uh, as Mel Hamilton reached out to see, okay, what can we do here? Well, the church responded, and they responded emphatically, and it's just a really, really cool story to see all of this go down. Uh, Hamilton, if I'm not mistaken, has a child who is now a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This story, folks, it, when I read this kind of postscript, this is 51 years after the fact all of this went down absolutely incredible to see this Black 14 philanthropy now working with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as partners. And this is just something that kind of comes on the back of what we saw last week with the NAACP connecting with the church on a number of initiatives. 
This is a really, really heartwarming story. And I, like I said, I can't tell it. It's an entirety. I will link this story in the show notes if you guys want to read it, if you have not done so already. But it's really cool to see something that was an injustice, absolutely, that took place in 1969 have a happy ending to it all. Now, the final notes on this period in 1969 for BYU include three players that I want to highlight. Mel Olson, who we had on the podcast last week and we will have on in future episodes. He was a senior on this team after having served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, came back in 1969 as a senior, a co-captain, ended up being an honorable mention All-American, in addition to a first-team All-WAC player as BYU starting center and a co-captain. He was joined by Jeff Slip Jeff Slip, excuse me, on the All-WAC as well as on receiving honorable mention, uh, excuse me, All-American honorable mention honors. Slip had an incredible 32 tackles for loss as a senior in 1969 at Tucson, Arizona. I uh, went to Las Vegas High School, uh, played there before ending up at BYU and playing from 1967 to 1969. And as I mentioned, 32 total tackles for loss, 90 total tackles on the season. Absolutely incredible. And then Chris Ferrisopoulos, he led the nation in 1969 in punt returns. It was ranked in the top 10 in kickoff returns. Also set an NCAA record, rolling up more combined return yardage and punt and kickoff returns in one season than any other player on record, breaking the old mark set in 1949 by Bill Geyer of Colgate. Ferrisopoulos had a total of 1,075 yards on returns. He received a first-team All-WAC selection by the WAC. Only four other players received more votes in the All-WAC honorees. He also led BYU in unassisted tackles and pass deflections with 13 during the 1969 season. And by the way, the galloping Greek, as he was known, Chris Ferrisopoulos, he actually had another year to go in a BYU uniform before embarking on an NFL career. And we'll talk more about that on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. And one other note, 1969 was the 100-year anniversary of college football. Some really cool helmets. Mel Olson actually donated his recently to BYU, had uh, 100 on the side of it. BYU wore those in in a game against Colorado State, the first game of the season, to honor the 100-year anniversary of college football. So there you go. Everything I could think of and comb through about 1969 and get to, and like I said, the story with the Black 14, very much one that had a lot of people up in arms for many, many years, but it has a very heartwarming and overall positive outcome to it all, and I thought it was something worth telling on today's show. Coming up next, though, we're going to chat with Neil Pau, a member of the BYU football program. I sat down with him one-on-one last week at BYU Football Media Day, chat a little bit about his development during this past season, what he looks forward to this year for BYU. We'll get to that in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar, folks. They are the best-tasting protein bars ever, and I mean that sincerely. For Father's Day, I enjoyed myself a nice cherry barcia, one of my favorite of the Built Bar flavors out there, but I guarantee if you guys give Built Bar a shot, you will have five, six, seven potential favorite flavors. That's how good these protein bars are. The best part is they're healthy too. Most of their flavors have 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs, folks. You will not believe how incredible they taste considering how delicious they are. I cannot recommend them enough. I am a huge fan. Get whatever is kind of uh, your jam. They have both nut and non-nut flavors amongst their nine base flavors. They also offer limited time flavors over the weekend for Father's Day. They had caramel brownie available. When you don't order them before they go away, well, they might come back around, but it's going to take a minute. So when you have the opportunity to do so, make sure you get to BuiltBar.com and place your order now. While you're there, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 
for 15% off your next order. Save some money, enjoy the best tasting protein bars, and do it with Built Bar. Once again, promo code LOCKED15 when you get to BuiltBar.com. Save that money and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars anywhere. All right, my friends, this episode is brought to you in part by Rock Auto. As we mentioned, they are the title sponsor of today's podcast. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is impossible for your local chain auto parts store or dealership to stock all the parts that you will need. Why endure those questions they're always asking you, so what part is it for what car? When you can go to rockauto.com and get the answers yourself, guys, it's really simple. Save time, save money when you use Rock Auto. Why choose to spend up to 30, 50, even 100% more markup for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership, guys, when you can go to rockauto.com? They're a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years online. And the best part about all of this, the parts ship directly to your door and their prices are always reliably low for every customer. A professional cannot get a better price at Rock Auto than you can get yourself. That's what I love about it. So go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car, truck, or SUV right now. Right, Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. You can put Locked On Cougars in there if you'd like. Make it a little more specific. Let them know that, hey, Jake sent us to check you guys out. While you're there, though, make, make sure you take some time to peruse and find the parts you need. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, is all the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. All right, folks, before we go, as I mentioned last week in the aftermath of BYU Football Media Day, I had a number of one-on-one interviews that I conducted. Well, why don't we get why don't we get to one of them today? I had a great chat with BYU wide receiver Neil Pau, a guy who I thought was a little bit overlooked this past season, but I had a great chat with him as he looks towards the upcoming year. What does he expect? What does he expect to do for BYU? What does he make to the, make of the new additions in both Puka and Samson Nakua to the BYU wide receiving room? A lot more to come as we talk with Neil Pau right now, right here on Locked on Cougars. How different has this past year been? Uh, I think it's different for everybody. Everyone has their own experience and stuff, but for me, for sure it was different. Um, something you can't compare to anything else, uh, but just happy to be back to normal. Obviously, this wide receiving core loses Dax Mill, and then I think a lot of people are wondering, okay, who's going to step in and fill in for that? Do you feel like you can take a step up? Yeah, I think a lot of uh, the weights will be on me, the guy next to me, and Gunner. Um, but I think we're more capable than doing it and stuff. And you know, whoever the quarterback is, I think they have enough weapons not to you know force anything or whatever. But they got enough weapons to know that they can pass it to whoever and we'll come down with it. You're a bigger bodied receiver. I think they'll see you at like 6'4", 215. I wanted to ask you about Keanu Hill. He's kind of similar to you in stature and whatnot. Is he, how do you describe his skill set? Uh, like you said, he's a big body. He can go up and get balls and stuff. Uh, I think that's what he's best at is, you know, going up for those 50-50 balls and coming down with those 50-50 balls. You see it in practice a lot. And now it's just honing in on, you know, I think the biggest thing for Fessy is the playbook. It's when we're out there and now there's going to be fans and stuff and your mind's all over the place that you can hone in on, you know, what you got to get done. This year, you guys had seven Power 5 teams. A year ago, a lot of people denigrated you guys. You didn't play any Power 5 teams. Is it nice to be getting back to what you guys faced in, like, 2019? Yeah, I think definitely last year we had the team to uh, battle against those teams with our original schedule, and I think we would have, you know, fared off pretty well. Uh, Now that we have that opportunity, I think a lot of guys will be ready uh, for that opportunity. 
I'm not asking you to pick your favorite quarterback here, so yeah. let's get that out of the way right off the top here. But yeah. three different guys battling to replace Zach. Yeah. What have you seen from them so far? Uh, you know, they're all they're all friends, uh, most importantly. But it's just cool to see the amount of work uh, that they're putting in. Uh, not only just you know with summer workouts and stuff, but off the field uh, with their training and stuff. So. It'll be an interesting call. Whoever gets the nod, uh, I think um, it'll be a hard decision to make. Zach had a really big arm. Is there anybody that can match his arm of those three? Uh, I think Jacob Conover can. Okay. I think he, he can sling it, and he's a gunslinger for sure. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah. Jacob's got the biggest arm of the, of the trio. Last couple of things from me is, as you look forward to this year, what are you trying to change about your game? Um, I think it's just to show uh, that I'm faster. You know, I'm healthy now, so... Uh, also, uh, breaking through, you know, not just running out of bounds or falling or whatever. I'm um, trying to protect my shoulder and stuff, but, you know, now that I'm healthy, being able to show that I'm faster and that, you know, I can have, the, I guess, the yak yards or whatever. Okay, and then the Cool Brothers are here now. Uh, is the hype match the expectations or the production, I guess? Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. They're definitely loud. We'll give them that. <laughs> Uh, but I think their biggest thing is right now, um, as me and Gunnar are looking at our receiver group, yeah. is who understands the playbook. Um, we've had some PRPs, and even the guys that have been here for a year or two years, they're messing up and stuff. So me and him are just probably looking at who can who can we trust when we, we need a break or we need someone to come join us as a third receiver. Who can come out and uh, you know do the playbook and do the plays as best as they can? I heard Fessy say earlier today he thinks your group can go 10 deep. Yeah. Do you agree with that? I definitely agree with what he said. There's a lot of talent in the room, and hopefully we'll be able to show all that talent this offseason, or this fall. Neil, thanks so much. Yeah, no, thank you. There you go. A big thank you to Neil Pau for taking the time to speak with me one-on-one. I have a number of these queued up that we will continue to go through in the coming days and weeks as we look back on BYU Football Media Day. Also, a number of interviews from the Zone Sports Network that we did live on air that we'll pull from as well. You guys will hear plenty from these players and coaches over the next month or so as we gear up for BYU Fall Camp. Opens up August 4th. So what are we, just under six weeks away from that? Crazy to think about, but looking forward to it all the same. I love when football season comes around and looking forward to it and hopefully we have another great fall this year watching the Cougars go out there and play under Kalani Sitake and I think Neil Pau is going to be a big part of that for the Cougars. Alright, big thank you once again for joining us here on your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Make sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. If you'd like to weigh in with your thoughts via my personal social media, follow me on Twitter at Jacob C. Hatch. Or as always, email us anytime. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address to reach out to us if you want to reach out to us that way all right until tomorrow have a great day it's the longest day of the year june 21st the summer solstice as they call it get out and enjoy it and we'll of course catch up with you guys again tomorrow this has been the locked on cougars podcast for june 21st 2021 and we will talk to you guys manana Prime members, 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.